Ladies and gentlemen, extraterrestrials and poltergeists, welcome to Ramblin', a new podcast that takes a look at the movies of Amblin Entertainment, the production company founded by Steven Spielberg, Frank Marshall, and Kathleen Kennedy way back in 1981. I am your host, Andrew Godian, and joining me is my co-host, Josh Glenn. How are you, Josh? I'm very well, thank you, Andrew. How are you doing, my friend? I'm very well. I'm very excited to get this going. Me Fox too, Fresh man. Podcast. Yes, me too. It's, uh, it's a semi-sunny day, mostly drizzly, but most importantly, we've got a fresh podcast to unbox and share with the world. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and this is, as I say, an Amblin podcast, but uh, to the people who may not know what Amblin is, what what would you say kind of encapsulates the films that fall under the Amblin Entertainment banner for you? It's that kind of semi-magical 80s nostalgia thing, I think. The logo is the Elliot with E.T. in his basket on his bike flying past yeah. the moon, which is kind of it, isn't it? It's that moment of takeoff. I think, personally, from when I was a kid, the connotations of Amblin are things that are passed down to you from your parents or your older friends as kind of like a baton passing that I think you associate with Amblin. So when you first watch E.T. or something like The Goonies or Poltergeist, you get a sense that you're being passed down stories from a past generation, and it's got that kind of universal magic to it, I think. Oh, that's nice. I like that. That's much better than anything (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say. What is it to you, Andrew? What do you think Amblin is? I kind of like it's that very, like you say, this kind of niche little pocket of nostalgia that particularly feels... um, specific to like you say 80s but also the 90s because a lot of the i would say the kind of like peak of the amblin entertainment output was into the 90s that yes it was also just spielberg directed movies but it's so many spielberg produced movies and even ones where he's less hands-on so you got you get everything from big spielberg movies like jurassic park to um men in black and (laughs) Uh, <laughs> old faithful. Old faithful. Yeah, indeed. the 90s was wild. There, there was, I think the 80s is kind of, because of things like Stranger Things, it's kind of solidified the 80s Amblin aesthetic. That's what you tend to yeah. already associate. But you're right, the 90s was just as, as important. <laughs> but it's much stranger. It's a, it's a wilderness Amblin in the 90s, which I'm very excited to get into. Uh, yeah, so I think, like, because part of the joy of doing this po- podcast is looking over the i'll say that we're only touching on the films that fall under the emblem entertainment banner as uh dictated by wikipedia because yeah. <laughs> we all trust wikipedia <laughs> and and just like kind of looking over it when we were initially having the thought to do this podcast it is kind of crazy how many one big movies mm. there are but also these little niche ones kind of in, in between it all like um, how how to b- make an American quilt and little <laughs> Clint Eastwood movies like Bridges in Madison County that I've never seen yeah, and that is like a strange overlap there. Kevin Reynolds first first movie Fandango's in there and I've never <laughs> seen that and I never even knew that was an Amblin movie so it, it I feel like it's a podcast that's going to allow us to talk about yes some of the biggest movies of all time but also some of these little um, underseen and maybe. A, a lot of films that maybe people don't necessarily know that Spielberg or yeah. Marshall or Kennedy have this association with, despite them 
being like some of the biggest names yeah. in Hollywood, particularly on the producing side. Because I think it's also easy to uh, you think of Spielberg as the great director that he is, but he's also an incredibly successful businessman. Mm-hmm. And this is one one of those many arms yeah. that, uh, and particularly one of his first arms that set him out on that path to world domination. Is the yeah, only I think, way I could describe it. <laughs> I think looking at the the list on Wikipedia it makes you realize just how pervasive those tendrils been in terms of the Hollywood culture. Um, of our yeah. lifetimes and before our lifetimes as well. So uh, this episode is going to be a little different as we're not going to kick off with the very first film that's credited as the first motion picture from Amblin. We're going to save that one for the next episode. We thought we treat this one as an introduction just to allow you to get to know the MO of the uh, podcast itself. And also to serve as a little prologue as the film we're going to look at today really does serve as the origins point for uh, Amblin Entertainment as a whole. Mm -hmm. And that is because we are looking at a 25-minute short film from Senor Spielberg um, (laughs) that he made when he was only 22 years old. fresh 22. (laughs) Jesus. Fresh 22. Uh, yeah, so so what's Amblin about? Not the not the production company, Josh, but what's the film Amblin? The about? film Amblin it follows an unnamed hitchhiker uh, as he hikes across the desert and he encounters a young unnamed hitchhiking lady, and together they hitchhike further across the desert towards the Pacific coast uh, in search of, I guess we're not really sure, uh, ocean. I suppose, or... Just ambling, aren't they? It's just just ambling along. <laughs> yeah, um, there's really not an awful lot in the way of plot. Um, <laughs> they, they hitchhike, <laughs> they, they, they kit by a bonfire for the night, hitchhike some more, they get to the coast, and eventually he gets in the ocean, and she continues ambling. Um, I think the, the most striking thing about this is the fact that it is... I, I I would. It's a kind of silent film, isn't it? It's certainly non-verbal. Yeah, it's not a spoken word in the whole it's thing. It's just some some lovely guitar kind of powering you, powering them along yeah. as they go along. Yeah, do, do, their ambling ways. Do you know who did the music for this? I can look it up quickly. It was a little band. <laughs> it was a little band called October Country, and the reason those guys were involved is because Spielberg. This kind of came to fruition because Spielberg befriended an aspiring producer named Dennis C. Hoffman, who provided ten thousand of the fifteen thousand dollars that made up the film's budget. And this guy mm-hmm. seems like quite a strange guy. He had a few stipulations as to his uh, investment. One of them was that um, the music was done by October Country, which was a band that he was producing at the time so it was uh, very much part and parcel you can have my money but you must also have my band um but it's a nice little score isn't it it's a nice little jingly jangly mm-hmm. dippy dippy score that underscores their little ambling journey and um yeah i suppose it kind of provides the dialogue to the film it, it comments on the action that's occurring on screen um yeah so no I've, to. i fully agree and it's it's a it's a strange one, and I kind of like I kept kind of thinking of Easy Rider, but it, it slightly predates yeah. Easy Rider, but it's very much in that. Was Easy Rider eighty nine? Oh, sorry, sixty nine. Sixty nine. Yeah, yeah sixty nine. 
Uh, so yeah, this is very much just coming off of the the general vibe of the late late sixties hippie youth movement. Yeah, just and, post summer of love. Yeah, and it's got that kind of uh, carefree attitude, and it's like you say the kind of music driven approach to it. Yeah, gives it a very carefree uh, and a very like little narrative gives it a very carefree feeling, but. The thing that kind of like particularly struck me about it is how there are little pockets and little framings in here that do feel like you are watching someone that you can recognize. You're watching the film of someone that you can recognize forming into someone yeah. like the Spielberg that we came to know literally only, what, seven years later with George? Yeah, that's, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. You forget just how young he was when he... <laughs> when mm. he did what he did but you're right it's weird because the film it, no, I guess it's, it's 15,000 in is is worth a lot more now but it's still this young kid not a lot of money in the middle of the desert shooting a film um, on, on, on a kind of shoestring what he does yeah. technically is very impressive There's the, I kept noticing he's got a thing I suppose one of his most famous stylistic ticks as a filmmaker is the Wanna the Spielberg Wanna and I always think that with yeah. him, it's less about style than it is about efficiency and just trying to get across as much information within a shot as you can. So what he kind of, within his one is he will reframe information and will recontextualize information, be it moving from close up to a long shot or framing characters within something else within the shot. And he does a lot of stuff in this like that. Like he'll start off with a close up of a rear view mirror where he shows the characters running towards the car. Then he'll pull out and he'll show the car speeding off. And the characters run into the mm -hmm. frame and it's suddenly a long shot from behind. And it's just, it's like a three-step thing and he kind of cuts within the shot, which is really impressive for uh, for something that's so small scale. And someone's so young, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but you can just see him figuring this stuff out. And um... Yeah. It, it, like putting the camera in places that yeah. you wouldn't necessarily think to put them, which is something that, that like he clearly does throughout the whole of his career. And I think like not only is it kind of relevant to this as a starting off point for this podcast series for the sake of the namesake, but also for base point origin of Spielberg. And it's also one of the, like the first early collaborations that we'll talk about more as that as we go through film by film. As it's this film is shot by Alan Davio, who went on to shoot E.T. and The Colour Purple and Empire of the Sun. So it's it's nice to see these yeah. kind of early ties already being uh, created and established. And uh, it, it's a, still like, I know the only way that I kind of watch this at the minute um, is via a kind of scrappy VHS recording on YouTube or Vimeo. Yeah. So it, you don't, it probably does rob some of it, but even from the opening, there's this, it all opens over a picturesque desert as the sun's rising and it's all very silhou very silhouetted. And, and it, it's, it's really like lovely to mm. look at. And it like really is a testament to Alan Davio's skill as well as Spielberg's. And it, it should mention that Davio sadly passed away this year as a result of uh, coronavirus complications. So it's it, it's a testament to not only Spielberg's burgeoning talent, but also to his. And I, I'm looking forward to talking more about his 
uh, shooting style as well as we go deeper yeah. down the yeah, line. Very much so. And, and you can see there's, there's a good push and pull between the two of them in this film. Um, yeah. And like looking into this, it, it's there's a number of like uh, little funny kind of uh, ways this propelled Spielberg. One of, one of them I found quite funny is because I didn't know Jerry Lewis ever taught <laughs> <Yes>. film. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> uh, Jerry Lewis used to teach a, a directing class at the University of Southern California, apparently, and used this film as an example to students to be like, this is the kind of work that you can go out and do if you've really got the hunger to yeah. go out and uh, yeah, just basically make use of what you have and can you have you got a jerry lewis impression no i haven't i haven't worked on that <laughs> no, have you <laughs> oh, no actually i'm not 100 <laughs> sure um but the, the, apparently he said um that's what filmmaking is all about and then uh in his in his book the total filmmaker put that on the poster <laughs> in, in his book the total filmmaker he said the film rocked me back Spielberg displayed an amazing knowledge of filmmaking as well as creative talent, which uh, is good enough for Jerry Lewis. And it's, uh, there you go. <laughs> but apparently Spielberg was a student of Jerry Lewis's at uh, USC in the 60s. Yeah, I never thought he got in, but apparently apparently mm. so. I wonder if he got into a couple of classes, because I know he was a, his grade stopped him from getting to the film school that he initially wanted to go to. Yeah. But... Um, and then we should say that this is the film that led to Universal uh, piping in interest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's probably the most crucial aspect of this film is that it was screened for Sid Sheinberg, who was the VP then for Universal Television. And this guy was so impressed with what he saw that he offered Steven Spielberg at the ripe old age of he was 22. Again, I have to emphasize that he was such a young man. <laughs> at the time, he was the youngest director ever to sign a long-term deal with a major studio. And yeah, he was given a seven-year contract, uh, which led to things like um, Rod Serling's Night Gallery and Columbo, and then in turn his made-for-TV movie Jewel, which, God damn, I love Jewel so much, and his theatrical yeah. releases, Sugarland Express and Jaws. So it, there's a very, very clear A to B to C path here. Definitely. And, uh, yeah. Definitely. If you, if you read about Spielberg pre... Because Amblin wasn't his first short. He was making shorts from the age of like eight years old, I would say. He was, he was constantly on the go. And I read, there's something like a quote that he said where he compared himself to a kind of um, uh, young, young Biff from Death of a Salesman, just walking around with a briefcase with a projector in it and his Super 8 films, just trying to get opportunities to make films in a more professional manner. And you get a sense of, of this being him grabbing this opportunity to really make himself known and... It's not mm -hmm. surprising that it paid off because he, if this didn't work, then he would have done something else that would have paid off, I think. He just he gives the impression of being that kind of person. And there'd be no rambling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or something else. I have to make a pun about Jewel or a pun about Light <laughs> Gallery. There you sure. go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Any Anything else you noticed about this? Um, I... <laughs> For whatever reason, um, I kept picturing it as a kind of, for some reason, I kept replacing the opening scene of Jaws with like, <laughs> yeah. the ending of this, because yeah. <laughs> it's seemingly all about ending up to a beach. And I just think there's a nice kind yeah. of element of that, that this story is all about getting to getting to a yeah. beach and then 
being on being on a beach and at the sea is where is the environment that Spielberg really rocketed. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like that little kind of uh, self-imposed rhyme to it. <laughs> to take that even further, that this whole film is an amble through the desert en route to the ocean. The ocean's the destination for him, but for him anyway, less so, less so her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look at his filmography, you have Jewel, which is a desert set car chase thriller. Then you have Sugarland Express, which is very, very deserty, uh, both both about yep. journeys in cars to get from A to B via the desert. And both of those films led to Jaws, which is the kind of thing that gave him, you know, the carte blanche to take over Hollywood and define the blockbuster. So he does offer a, a macro commentary <laughs> on his career. <laughs> it's there if you want it. I do. <laughs> I want it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the... Spielberg completeness, I would definitely recommend watching oh, yeah. it because there is a lot. I, I I think I do really like it. I think it's yeah, quite yeah, sweet. Very and, much so. Yeah. Um. So as we say, this was the kind of start of Spielberg's path, going into Jewel, Sugarland Express, Jaws, then hitting big again with Close Encounters, <laughs> then 1941. <laughs> um, <laughs> I still, I still have never uh, seen 1941. It's one of the big glaring emissions. It, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting artifact. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's, it's, it's no, it's nobody, no one involved, I think, would ever say it was their best yeah. work. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting, particularly from a completist standpoint. Yeah. But yeah, so this, this is the point of origin for Amblin and for Spielberg and, all leading up to him establishing Amblin Entertainment in 1981 with Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy as producing powerhouses in tow. Uh, so, yeah, this this is to give you a general feeling for what this podcast is going to be. We're going to be going through each film under the banner week by week, uh, offering a little analytical reading of the films, all the while also talking about their kind of their greater context and their greater placement in both Spielberg's career, the respective director's career, and the cast involved, and, and what have you, whatever kind of tasty trivia tidbits <laughs> kind of come up along the way. <laughs> a few tasty trivia tidbits, Andrew, for these. Films. I think so. There's going to be, yeah, uh, like we say, there's, this is going to be a lot of uh, touching on classics and also coming across films that aren't, we aren't very familiar with, and that that is very much the case with the film that will be the focus of the next episode and which film is that that will be michael apted's uh, 1981 motion picture continental divide which is a film that i honest to god <laughs> hadn't heard of <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no no um um yeah it's it's a john belushi film and i think that that is the kind of the main point of connection that i had to it i, I was kind of aware of it from reading around john belushi but not one I've ever particularly ever associated with Spielberg no, for, for no. one. Although I guess, you know, the, the 1941 connection. Yeah, there help you go. Clean his 1941, yeah. more important yeah. than we think. All roads lead to this. So, well, well yeah, we'll, we'll give that a watch. We'll have a discussion about that. I'm looking forward to it. I'm very, I, I haven't. Yeah, me too. If only to see more Belushi. I haven't seen an awful lot of Belushi pictures in my time. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be interesting. There's going to be a, I think it's going to be one that's going to have quite a, quite a wealth of interesting things to uncover for ourselves as we 
dive into it as yeah. well. Yeah. And then beyond that, the real meat begins. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ramblin', an Amblin' podcast. Be sure to join us next time for the discussion on Continental Divide. If you fancy watching a film in advance and don't happen to have it on disc, it is currently available to rent or buy from Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Apple TV, and Sky Store. So I'm, I'm definitely going to end up using one of those because it's not one I have on disc, nor does right. it seem that easy to find. Me too. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't suspect many people yeah. are just lying about. If, if you do, more power to you. Um, while you're on your device, please do give us a like and a subscribe. Uh, if you want to write a little review, you know, feel free to. We wouldn't say no. Uh, and also follow us on Twitter at Ramblin Amblin. That is at Ramblin Amblin. Indeed. We'll, we'll keep you updated on everything that we're doing on there, like when episodes are coming out. So it's a good good news stream mm-hmm. to follow. And uh, I think last but not least, uh, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who's helped us so far in putting this together, namely Emily Tafen for our gorgeous artwork and uh, Rob Hunter and Greg Sheffield for being able to make some music out of a very rubbish humming track that I sent them. (laughs) (laughs) It got the job job done. done. (laughs) And uh, last but not least as well, thank you for listening. And we hope you join us next time for Continental Divide.